Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Atlanta Business Radio. And it's Tuesday, which means it's time for Tuesdays with Corey. And I'm joined, of course, by our host, Corey Rick, with the Long-Term Care Planning Group. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing great, Katie. Thank you very much. Of course. And uh, how was your 4th of July? Was it good? It was. 20th year in a row, I ran the peach tree. I had my own little streak going. Really? That's awesome. It so is. I heard it was pretty cool that morning. It wasn't as hot as usual. You heard wrong. It was I heard very wrong. Warm. <laughs> yeah. Very, very warm. Yeah. So how did it go? How did it compare to previous years? You know, it, it was a it was a great race. Uh, it's a great test. You know, the mm-hmm. first three miles kind of reel you in. It's all downhill. And the last three miles are mostly uphill. They trick and you. Yeah. You just have to leave <laughs> enough in the tank to finish it strong. And, you know, it's a, it's extremely well organized. It's a it's a very well run race. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to it every year. Absolutely. In 20 years, that's awesome. You got to run it 20 times. That's cool. <laughs> um, so uh, today, who did you bring with you in studio? Well, we have another great show today on Tuesdays yeah. with Corey. We have Faye Sykes, who is a social security expert. Faye, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. And we also have Susan Knox, who is a business development expert, and she runs Corporate Connections. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Susan. We're going to start off by talking to Faye and getting to know her a little bit. Now, Faye, you're not, you're not from here, are you? Oh, don't you know? I, I grew up in uh, Wisconsin, and um, grew, well, I actually grew up in Wisconsin, upstate New York, Utah, and Alaska. And then, as an adult, I lived in another five states. You're kind of like that Johnny Cash song. I've yeah, been everywhere, man. Exactly. What brought you to Atlanta? Uh, well, actually, I used to be a commodity broker for waste management, and I had developed the U.S. to Asia direct export of recycled waste paper. So they had relocated me down here in 2003. And then in 2005, I decided to make a career change and um, became a financial advisor. Where did you go to school? I went to Syracuse University in upstate New York. You have been everywhere. I have. <laughs> you know, you've, you've built two very, very good businesses and you uh, are uh, a social security expert. Tell us about how you landed uh, in that role and, and what led you to build uh, that expertise. Uh, well, I had, I've been in, uh, working as a financial advisor since 2005. And about seven years ago, and I do focus on the women's market, really helping women um, with education and navigating how to, you know, put their financial um, life together. But about seven years ago, I had a woman who was widowed and Her husband had taken a pension only on his own life and then had taken Social Security early. And in their case, it was a 25% permanent reduction in the benefit for not only his life, her life, since she had been an at-home mom. And the gentleman died eight months later. So she went from... Yeah, it was really awful. But she went from about $6,700 a month down to about $1,620. And it wasn't enough for her to live on. And basically, all the planning has to be done on the front end. You can't come after the fact. So when I get upset and mad, I learn. So really started digging in. You know, it took me over five years to really understand Social Security in depth. And I really have become 
a national expert in it. Yeah, that's outstanding. You also have the NSSA designation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that is the um, National Social Security Advisor designation. So there's two gentlemen that teach the course. One is a over 30-year Social Security administration um, he like managed uh, the Social Security office up in Ohio. And then the other gentleman is a CPA and they've turned around and done this full time. So they're great experts. But I, with my background with the financial planning, I know how to really integrate that into the full financial yeah. plan. You know, it seems to me, is, is it fair to say that Social Security is, is overlooked? Absolutely. Um, in prior firms that I looked at, in my training, I was actually told just to just think about it as an afterthought. Don't really include it in the planning. It's just gravy on the top. Well, what I found through all my training is that the average American relies on Social Security for 40 to 60% of their retirement income, and 30% of Americans rely on it for 100%. And wow. there, yeah, it's, it's huge. It's much more than people realize. And almost 50% of Americans take it at age 62, which is a huge mistake. So there's like three main things when you take it at 62. Number one is that it's a 23 to 30% permanent reduction in benefits depending on your birth year. So it's like, think about if you were making 100 grand a year, I'm just going to accept 70 grand for the rest of my life. And what they're, you know, they have a two, an average of about a 2.5% cost of living increase. And when you, you know, accept money at a lower rate over time, those cost of living increases don't have the same impact versus delaying. Number two is that if you, re, you know, take Social Security before your full retirement age, which is between 65 and 67, depending on the birth year, um, and you make over seven, it's like $17,080 for 2018, Every $2 over that, they take $1 of your Social Security benefit away. Hmm. So, I mean, I've ran, you know, helped folks that still make over three hundred grand a year that were, oh, I'm just going to take it early. And I'm like, not only you're lacking it at a lower amount, number two is every two bucks over that $1,780, you lose a dollar. And number three is that, you know, depending on if you're single or married, there's a threshold of like 30 to 40 grand um, where anything you make over that, it's uh, 50% and then 85% of the Social Security can be included in your gross taxes. So taxes reduction in the current benefit and then a permanent reduction in the benefits. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. There's almost 2,800 regulations that oversee Social Security. And a lot of people tell me, oh, I'll just call Social Security and they'll tell me. And the thing is that they are directed as a government entity to only answer questions. They cannot give advice. You have uh, vast experience uh, as a wealth planner, as a wealth advisor. Does, does that help you with get lend perspective, you know, with the, with the advice you're trying to give on the Social Security front of things? Absolutely. You know, essentially what we do is once, you know, if we're integrating a social security plan in with the regular financial plan, typically we'll show people like here's an A, B or an A, B and C and kind of like, well, two weeks ago I had a couple that, you know, they're like, this is what we're ideally thinking of. 
So I showed them what they were thinking, and then I showed them a maximized plan. Mm. So they were, if they went the way that they were originally going to do it, they would be at a collective of about fifty-two grand a year at age seventy. With proper planning, we helped them. They're going to get seventy-eight thousand at the same exact age. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have seventy-eight versus fifty-two. Well, that's uh, tremendously impactful, to be sure. It. it I did not realize until I met with you a couple of weeks ago that there was so much behind this uh, as, as it speaks to the planning for Social Security. And, you know, is this something that you think you could take into companies and organizations uh, in terms of advice? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm hired to come in and speak to different groups and corporations and, you know, trade show conventions. But one of the things that we're working on right now is building out software to you know, have this as a group benefit um, for corporations, nonprofits, and government entities. Do you find that uh, that men or women um, are more or less informed on the issue of Social Security? Is it the same across the board? Um, I, I, I would say that for the average person, there is a real lack of understanding. And I'm also going to say for, the, for most financial advisors out there, they really don't know. And we also do um, partner up with other financial advisor and planner groups. And with the software we're building out, the plan is also to help white label it for them. I don't really care if my name's on it. We just want to help as many people as we can. So the people you're helping are what I would call retail folks, people like myself that might hire you to give advice on that, as well as other people that are in sort of similar businesses. They may be a financial planner. They may be a wealth advisor. They could use your expertise to help their clients, right? Exactly. I mean, and there's no really, there's no conflict. There's no real competition because you're just trying to help them with your sphere of expertise, that being Social Security. Exactly. So, yeah, when we're working with other advisors and things of that nature, for Social Security benefit planners, we are a flat fee planning service. So it's a one-time flat fee. And if we're working with somebody's financial advisor, we actually send a copy of the plan to the individual and their advisor. And that advisor can take that information and integrate it into the plan. For that part of my business, we just want to do the, the Social Security Retirement Income Plan. Yeah. That seems very useful. So you generate an actual document Correct. For somebody that engages your services so they have something to walk away from once they, you know, answer, you know, interact with you and ask the questions and so on. Exactly. So, the, yeah, the document, we basically say, hey, here's what you asked for. And then here's, you know, a couple alternative plans. And then they can see that impact not only now, but in the future. So if somebody really has good longevity in their, you know, their genetics and all of that, you know, my, my big advice is delay as long as possible. Um, between your full retirement age and age 70, there's an 8% increase every year, which I don't know about you, but getting a guaranteed currently, you know, under current law, an 8% increase every year is really huge. It's very impactful. Yeah, it, it, it seems so. How are you getting your clients? And it seems like you have two different uh, directions that you could go. You could help advisors with your expertise, and then you can help, you know, sort of retail clients, as, as we referenced earlier. Are you looking for one or the other? Are you looking for both of them? We're really looking for both. There's, you know, the thing is that there's a lot of folks that do not work directly with an advisor. 
So people that are working with the advisor that need that information, we would like to help them. There's a, but there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers here in the U.S. or a lot of people that, you know, work for a company and, you know, their 401ks at work. They just have never really saw the need for working out with somebody um, as far as the advising side. So, you know, working directly with folks and, uh, you know, we work with a lot of expats, you know, so think of people that have, you know, with Coca-Cola, you've got a lot of people that have worked overseas or they're going to retire overseas. We help them navigate all of that. We've got a client right now who's Canadian and there's some bilateral agreements. Um, he's Canadian. We're going to, we're helping him train. What does, what does that mean? That means that like U.S. and Canada have a, an agreement together. So think of it as just like a dual agreement. You can transfer your U.S. Social Security into the Canadian system or vice versa. So in this case, the gentleman wants to stay here in the U.S. We're going to shift his Social Security credits from the Canadian system into the U.S. Is that advantageous in that circumstance? Yeah, it's just for him, it's going to vest him in. Social Security looks at the top 35 years of your highest earning years. And so for him, it's just going to help him have more years vested in our system. Also something that uh, I was unaware of um, how are you getting your clients now? I mean, you're obviously well-spoken. Do you do a lot of speaking engagements and things of that nature? I do about 100 speaking events per year. So I do TV, radio, conventions, speak to groups, um, just a variety of different things. Number two is I spend um, a lot of time, you know, I have a team that helps me with the social media. And so we try to get the information out through the the web. And then lastly, we get a time once somebody has hired us and they see the work that we do and how the impact for their future retirement, um, we get a ton of referrals. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Do you have a team of people that supports you behind the scenes? You referenced your, your social yes. media folks, but do you have a team of people in the office that are helping you, you know, follow up? Exactly. I've got um, three uh, retirement advisors that we delegate the work to. Um, I've got uh, two social media people, and then I have an admin. So as we continue to grow, we'll be adding more people. And um, on my Scarlet Oak business, Scarlet Oak Financial Services, which is my um, full service holistic planning, uh, Angie, a, f a prior guest that was on your show, um, she just went through the NSSA training about a week and a half ago. So she'll be coming on and helping us with uh, some of that planning as well. A tremendous resource there to be sure Angie is. Uh, what kind of clients are you looking for? If you had to lay out some specific bullets, two or three bullets, what would be your ideal client? There, well, you know, th that's a great question. Number one is people that are about 55 to 65. The thing is that the pre-planning piece is so important, um, but the average person that hires us is in that 55 to 65-year-old range. Um, it can vary. Uh, we do have about 8 million grandparents are raising grandkids. So sometimes people that are already on Social Security, we've been able to come in and impact. Um, but the other huge area are self-employed people. And so even people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, well before their retirement, the uh, I wrote a blog a year or two ago called Business Owners Stop Screwing Yourself. And I call it the trifecta, where... You know, you get people that are not paying, you know, they pay themselves as little as possible because they're trying to not pay taxes. Number two is that 
they're not really saving outside of the business. You know, everything goes back in the business. And number three is, do they have a business that they can actually sell? And right now in 2018, to fully vest into Social Security for the year, you need to make, it's only 5280 bucks. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a ton of business owners that they pay themselves 820 bucks, two grand. They're not vesting in, which messes them up in a few different ways. Number one, most people don't realize this. Social Security retirement, you have to have 10 years of work history minimum to vest in. The way that Social Security disability works is that you have to have earned income over the threshold of that year, five out of the last 10 years. So I had a gentleman who um, manages properties and it's all passed through income and he wasn't paying himself any kind of income. Well, he ends up, he's got a major disability where kind of like a Parkinson's or MS where he's going to eventually not be able to work. Um, I had to work with his CPA because he was not qualifying for disability. We had to go back three years, you know, have them redo three years of tax returns and going forward, he's going to have to, you know, we're having him pay himself like 50 grand a year. So business owners I see are really not doing themselves a favor. If you're terrible at saving, you don't have a business you can sell, pay yourself as much as possible because Social Security is a retirement, disability, and a life insurance program. So it's a, it's much more, um, it really helps save families. And the other thing is this is not an entitlement program. So the politicians get up there, you know, it's, Oh, it's a little over 15% of your gross income pays into Social Security. So this is not something that is a government would have you. We, the people, have pay in. That little thing called FICA is what's paid into that on an annual basis. It seems that you're in a very uh, ideal position to help business owners and C-suite executives because you have the Social Security expertise. You do have the, the planning and the wealth experience. And, and that does all fit together. Uh, it seems like. Um, so I, I certainly that that's one way I think that you set yourself apart. You know, you were referred to uh, me to be on the show by someone else that was on the show. And you're obviously very successful. What do you think separates you? Uh, well, for me, you know, I came in this business, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, my parents never taught me anything about... Hang on a second. You don't root for the Packers, do you? Oh, my God. I sure do. Go, Pack, go. <laughs> Woo! Moving right along. <laughs> but, it, well, anyway... Because my... I'm a Viking fan. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But it's okay. But, uh, no, you know, the, the reason I came in this industry is that I was a little upset with my parents because they never taught me anything about the financial industry, financial stuff. And then it finally dawned on me, they can't teach you what they don't know. Hmm. And guys sit around and we'll talk about financial stuff and women typically do not. And so, you know, coming into the industry was like changing the conversation. I didn't come in to, you know, it wasn't about making as much money as I could. I came in to help impact as many people as I could. And, um, you know, I do volunteer work like here in Atlanta, um, for the last three years, I have put on educational events for the DeKalb Rape Crisis Center, mm. you know, helping empower women, you know, to make, to be, you know, get empowered and move on. Um, but there's, you know, the discussion around it. So, I, you know, for me, it's like I'm a non So my first career, I was a fashion designer. I'm a non-financial person. I'm an artist in a financial world. 
So I like design all my own educational pieces. Um, you know, it was a real struggle for me to learn it, but I've been doing it for so long now that I've got it. And I don't care who sits down with me. It could be a welder, a hairdresser, or a yeah. CEO. Every single person's like, you can make me understand the basics yeah. because I related in something that the everyday person could. So for us, you know, we do the holistic planning. I am a fiduciary as an independent advisor. And, you know, I'm really able to integrate retirement. And I've worked for insurance and investment firms. So I understand both sides of that. Um, Social Security, ERISA, I'm a big nerd around 401ks. So I've just kind of over the years, I am um, a CLTC, uh, you know, but for me, it's like I've always strive to learn. Um, My next thing that I'm going to start really digging into, my dad's a Vietnam vet and just really understanding how the military benefits. So that's sort of my next thing I'm going to tackle. But Social Security is, it's so powerful and, you know, it's just really exciting to be able to help people. What is the most, um, what is the most satisfying thing about what you do? You know, it's the calls you get a year or two years later and... I had a grandfather that was referred to me, and he said, quote, do I get divorced or do I put my grandkids in foster care? And I'm on the phone, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? His daughter had passed away, and the biological father to these children was a drug addict, so completely out of the picture. He was 64, just married a 62-year-old, and he inherited a five, a seven, and nine-year-old grandkids, and... For the mom, she didn't really have a work history. With three kids, for the life insurance, it's 180% of her benefit, which was under $300 a month. And so he said, new wife said, I didn't sign up, you know, and there was no money. So there's a provision in there for grandparents that we got them under his Social Security to the tune of over $44,000 a year. And it's going to be over $550,000 worth of benefits. They were able to hire a full-time nanny. And for about thirty grand, the other fourteen thousand goes for Cheerios and sneakers and what have you. But originally, it was going to be less than four thousand a year. So that guy called me a year and a half later. Cried, he cried. He said, "You saved my family." He goes, "Nobody." I, he goes, "I, you know, you, this person said you were going to help me, and he's like, you did." And you know, you get those kind of calls about retirement or different things, and it's just heartwarming. Yeah, that's that's outstanding. Uh, it. Do you find it advantageous to have the two companies so you're able to appeal to people and help them with different aspects? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, with other advisors, I have different CRM systems, everything separated. There's two two separate LLCs, different staff. I just want to make sure because, you know, our goal, our long-term goal in the next five to seven years is to do about 100,000 plans per month. I have zero interest in trying to convert those clients over to my financial planning practice. So we just want to make it, make it extremely clear to other advisors and financial groups that we just want to help as a one-off on that one piece. We're not interested in trying to... Realistically, me and my, my four, four or five... Well, four people we're looking at adding a fifth... We can't handle all of that. So we just wanted to be really clear that this is, we're just helping with that one piece, the Social Security planning. And it certainly seems like that market is, uh, needs uh, the assistance that someone like yourself would bring to the table. What do you think is the most misunderstood 
item about financial planning or even Social Security? Well, you know, um, around Social Security, the oh, it's not going to be around 79% of Social Security is covered by current payroll tax. And, you know, so the thing is, it's going to be around, you know, hopefully Congress will do, make some adjustments. Right now, they cap it at, you know, like 28000 a year. Well, it's 128400 for 2018. Well, you know, somebody like Colby Bryant, who is going to make $125 million over the next three years, if they either did an unlimited cap or said, hey, we're going to move it to 500000 or a million, it would put a ton of money back in the system. Um, that 8% between your full retirement age, you know, increase annually between that and age 70, that's back from, I think, the 80s. You know, they haven't switched stuff around. So if they would, you know, reduce that down to a two and a half, three percent, you know, it would, um, you know, have less money coming out of the system. So there's some little things that they can tweak, like upping how much, you know, your income is taxed and things like that, that could really go in. But, you know, the other thing, I don't know if um, you guys remember a couple years ago where a bunch of people in their 50s passed away, all these celebrity type folks. There's a lot of people that pay in their whole life and then don't get any money out. And so, you know, in any given year, you know, they talk about 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every day. That's 3.2 million a year. And our, you know, you think about that 55 to 65, that's 32 million people in any given year that are, you know, need to start planning for Social Security. Um, You know, the big thing I'm seeing is that they need to change the laws a little bit and tweak it, but it should be really around. But, you know, a lot of people think I'm just going to take it early um, just to get what I can, not realizing all the things that they miss out on. Yes, certainly having a conversation with someone like you, I think would be very advantageous for people a few years before they, they entertain taking Social Security. What resonates with you charity wise outside of your work life? I, you know, I've been on seven non-profit boards. So, um, and I'm a former Kiwanian past president and lieutenant governor. Right now I'm on um, the board of directors for uh, tap out, which is uh, human tra- tapping out human trafficking. Uh, the end of July, we are having a um, judo and jiu-jitsu tournament, which will help raise money to help tap out. You know, Atlanta, unfortunately, is a huge hotbed of human trafficking. Mm. Children as uh, young as nine years old have to service up to 100 guys a day. It's disgusting. Um, but with the uh, Super Bowl that's kind of come into town, they just are saying that how much more that's going to mm. uh, increase. Um, but, you know, the, you know, women get affected. The Rape Crisis Center, I volunteer there. Um, I do Meals on Wheels. So to me you know, kind of giving back to the community and all that's just really important. Well, you're certainly doing that and we appreciate that. If you could give the younger version of Faye some advice, uh, what would that be? You know, I, I I was so scared about learning and finding out about financial stuff. I would tell women out there and men, get education early. I mean, I've got clients that sometimes come in at 19, 20, 21 years old and they're going to be set up in life to make better decisions. Um, so I would say is, you know, find somebody, a mentor that can help mm-hmm. you understand because the financial piece is so important. And if you make not the best decisions, it affects you for years after that. Yeah, sound advice. 
If there was a young lady that wanted to follow in your footsteps, what would you tell her? I would tell her, work for one of the big firms, you know, or a couple of the big firms, get some experience, um, and then go independent as soon as you can. I wish I would have done it earlier. Um, I, you know, unfortunately, in the bigger firms, I got mansplained a lot and wasn't uh, treated the same as a lot of the guys. And having my own firm, you know, I'm really able to make the impact and I, I feel empowered and I'm just extremely happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, outstanding. If uh, you've been a great guest, Faye, I appreciate oh, the, thank you. the perspective and the expertise. If the listenership wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Maybe a phone number or email? Sure. Um, my Well, my website is www.socialsecuritybp.com, and that's short for benefit planners. Um, my phone number is 404-354-1039. And my email is fsykes, F-S-Y-K-E-S, at socialsecuritybp.com. Um, my other company just for the website is scarlet1toakfs.com. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You've been a tremendous guest. Uh, you know, thank, congrats on all your success and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, next we have Susan Knox. Susan, uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. You are a 10th generation Georgian and native Atlanta, which I almost never hear. Well, I'll tell you, I've had meetings before where I've had 25 people and 12 of the 25 have been natives. So we're definitely here. It's uh, alive and well. Um, but I will tell you that, you know, Atlanta is very transient, but there is still a, a good group of people that all grew up here, went to high school here, and um, and I've tapped into them. And it's a, a force to be reckoned with when you have people that have been here all of their lives and have these relationships. When I moved here, uh, I escaped Minnesota in April of 97. Mm -hmm. And when I moved here, you, you mentioned the word transient. I think that that's a, it, it seemed like my experience was initially, there's a lot of people from other places, but I never, I, I very infre infrequently ran into people that were born and raised here and stayed here. And so, you know, like I was saying, this was, this was unique. Does this give you some advantages having been here your entire life? Absolutely. I mean, you know, going back from growing up, um, having family, friends, being here all of my life, uh, it absolutely has helped me build what I consider my golden Rolodex. Yeah, you absolutely do have that. You went to school at the University of Georgia. I did. And you were there when Herschel Walker was there. You did your homework. I watched a special on him the other day on ESPN. Just a tremendous story. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember watching him as a 15-year-old and saying, and I remember saying to my dad, that's Superman. Right. And watching him. And anyway, tremendous, uh, tremendous athlete. And you've got to be happy with how UGA has you know, reemerged in the football conversation collegiately. I'm always impressed with UGA um, from their, you know, donor side, their alumni involvement. I mean, Georgia Bulldogs are synonymous with Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, I think they're they're certainly a, a force to be reckoned with. And you know, you've had a lot of business experience. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Well, doing what I do, which I am a business 
Accelerator. I help generate revenue for companies by providing high-level corporate introductions. So whoever I meet, it's kind of like I have to get up to speed kind of a Harvard MBA, because whether they're a cybersecurity expert or if they're talent acquisition or they're um, raising money for a, a biometric new medical device, I mean, my world is all about meeting people and figuring out who they need to meet to grow their business. So every conversation I have, every new person I meet, I'm having to constantly be on my toes of who, what, when, where, why, how. I've got to screen them, qualify them, vet them, kind of get their personality. Because just because you think two people need to meet, you kind of need to know there's some going to be some chemistry as well. So um, yeah, I've had, I've had just a plethora of different businesses and different industries and different vertical markets. And uh it's just fascinating. Every day I meet new people and it just, my Rolodex continues to grow exponentially. And I just have an innate ability to meet someone and know who they need to meet uh, immediately. Well, you built this company, Corporate Connections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some phrases and words that come to mind is uh, business development expert. That would be right at the top of my list. Accelerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are all things that, that never go out of style for any business. It's, it seems to me that because of all the different businesses and the folks you meet, it must be very fascinating to be plugged into a new set of circumstances, learn that business, and then help that business, and then you you find the next one. That's exactly right. And it's so funny because different companies will retain me to help fill their pipeline with prospects and influencers. And I tell companies all the time, you know, your prospect would be a direct client and your influencers could be fabulous referral partners that can keep your phone ringing. So if you can combine direct prospects and influencers in your sphere, you're going to never have to cold call again. So other th- other phrases that uh, or lines that would come to mind that would describe you, uh, strategic relationship builder, would that Very, be fair? Yes, yes. Um, I like the word accelerator, Um, but you're a brand advisor. I mean, is that that inaccurate for me to say that? It's very accurate. And it's so funny because when companies come to me and say, okay, Susan, I'm ready to hire you. I'm ready to go. Well, then I have to start looking at all of their marketing material and their website and their business cards and their email address. If it's Gmail, I mean, you know, if they're going to hire me to put them out to my important network and put them and showcase them, then they've got to be buttoned up, pressed, ready to go, because it's not going to make me look good to represent someone who isn't just top-notch, best-in-class. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's an extension of, of you. That's the risk that I take when I take on a new client. And I've got lots of stories about you know, people that I've known. But once you start putting them in face-to-face meetings with your, you know, top, say, you know, sometimes I'll do a first-round draft pick of 10. And I'll say, okay, if you're looking to meet high net worth individuals because you're a, you know, private wealth management firm, then I have to feel very confident that my client is going to show up 
shake hands, look them in the eye, you know, nice table manners. I mean, it, it, it goes to the basics. It's amazing to me how many people, I don't care how much money you have, how much Ivy League education you have, manners matter in today's world probably more than ever. And it just floors me with the lack of professionalism that so many people have that are, quote, on air quote, successful. Did you ever watch the, uh, the game show Love Connection? I don't believe I did. With Chuck Woolery? Oh, I probably. Well, Chuck Woolery was, you know, a matchmaker. And, mm-hmm. you know, he would put people together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, don't you feel a little bit like that? I mean, you've got to make sure that there's going to be a connection, that there's going to make sure that there's the chemistry. And obviously, it's an extension of your brand. That, again, I said before, it's the risk that I take. So, you know, honestly, I say no more often than I say yes to clients because it is absolutely my reputation on the line. And that's all I've got. When you're in the business of only providing corporate introductions, there's not much room for mistakes. And so I've had occasions where I've taken new clients and I've kind of put them through a protocol. This is what I expect. This is the time frame you need to respond to emails. Yeah. Let's talk about some table manners. I mean, I speak all the time on, you know, how to present yourself as professional, executive executive presence. Um, I can just tell you, you got that, you know, five seconds, if yeah. if not less, of that first impression. And so many people will say to me, well, Susan, do I wear a coat and tie? Because I deal with a lot of men. I'm starting to really <laughs> represent a lot of women now, which is so much better, but um, because women have been our own worst enemies for many years is all I can say. Right, Faye? Absolutely. So um, I love, I love dealing with, with professional women and truthfully on the manners and the etiquette, women far outshine the men. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, that's not inconsistent with my experience. I think women are more open to things. They're uh, sharper. And I had a, a, cl- a female client of mine said, hey, if you want something done, give it to a, you know, a married mother of two to get it done. And, you know, that's been my experience that they're, they're very effective at getting things done. Does it floor you that you have to explain things like that that seem so rudimentary, like you, table manners you, or wearing a coat and tie or... You have no idea how it affects me. I mean, I have wanted for many years to just do nothing but put on, you know, forums or seminars or or really get people in the room and talk about the fundamental basics. And one time for about six months, I would go to Roswell United Methodist Church Career Networking, Job Networking that Jay Litton runs, and they'll get 450, 500 people, and they will be, you know, um, men that have gotten let go from Mm. Delta Airlines to, um, you know, Cisco, the food system. I mean, big executives that are there networking to try to find a job. And we break out into different rooms. And so mine is, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. 
and people, and that's my tagline, and people will flock into the room and I have like 20 minutes to give them as many bullet points as I can, just rapid fire. And so I start out talking about eye contact, handshake, um, your elevator pitch, um, your business card exchange. I mean, we're talking basics, like men polish your shoes, women make sure your fingernails are nice and clean and not, you know, um, chipped. Just basic things. And the pen you use, like don't use your dry cleaner's pen that's rainbow colored if you're going to go and sit down and sign documents or take notes. Take a portfolio with you. Um, Don't put your business card, especially men, and your wallet where you're sitting on it and they pull it out and it's all tattered. I mean, these are just basic fundamental things. And I I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me and said, you know what? I know somewhere back in the day I learned that, but writing handwritten thank you notes and these kinds of things on nice card stock, they just said, you know, I, I totally have forgotten this. And this is probably the most valuable set of information that I've gotten on my job search. Well, I think, you know, with your business and your context, you could absolutely do these workshops and, and probably do extremely well uh, off that with what you know. Well, I could pack the house with them. The problem is what I have been told is a lot of the millennials don't think they need it. And so they're not going to come and sit in a workshop. And then the people- Katie that, would. Well, she's got very nice manners and she was raised right. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, and then the older generation, the baby boomers, um, you know, a lot of them don't think they need it. And a lot of them- that are my clients are the ones that need it the most. Hmm. How did you decide to start Corporate Connections? Uh, to me, it's it's a fascinating business for reasons I mentioned earlier. You get to understand, and there's a definite beginning, middle, and end, it seems, to each venture mm-hmm. with a client. Mm-hmm. But how did you think to start this? It was totally by default. I was asked to join, like Faye, I was in the wholesale jewelry business for 13 years, sold the company in 97, and uh, I joined the Buckhead Business Association, immediately got asked to join the board of directors, and I sat at a board meeting at the History Center, me and 15 gray-haired men, and I said, let's do a Buckhead Business Expo. And they said, what's that? And I said, don't worry about it. I'll handle it. So at the time, Marvin Cosgray was president of the BBA. He was president of the Buckhead Community mm-hmm. Bank mm-hmm. and a lot of just a great guy. He is a great guy, yes. He he took me under his wing and he said, I trust in you. You go for it. So I went to Phipps Plaza, negotiated a lease. We got six-foot draped tables, and I combined promoting your business, promoting yourself and your brand with building the membership for the BBA. And we went down every nook and cranny at Phipps Plaza. We promoted the heck out of it. And I cannot tell you how many people said, Susan, you're better at introducing, promoting, being an ambassador, a champion for me. Here's my business cards. Here's my marketing material. I'll pay you a monthly retainer and I'll pay you a spiff on the back end for all the business you bring me. And it started by default. But I had eight clients at, you know, $1,000 a month back in the day. That was an $8,000 base plus commission on everything I brought them. And I said, this is a business and Corporate Connections was born. 
and it's morphed. And in the mid-2000s, I got asked to uh, run an angel investor group. Hmm. So it catapulted me into another caliber of people because investors are not walking around. I'm not going to know that. So I had to get to know them, have breakfast, lunch, dinner, cocktails. And so I've really started building my network with a lot of high net worth individuals that were looking for either real estate, golf courses back in the day, um, you know, medical devices have been popular uh, and I have just, you know, really worked at, at building a, a, a strong network. Well, that's, that's, that's clear and obvious. How has, how has the actual business changed? And how has technology, technology influenced how you do things? Well, it's been a really interesting last couple of years because LinkedIn, a lot of people think, you know, LinkedIn is the be-all, end-all for connecting with people that they don't know. And the truth is, I have connections where people will call me and go or text me or email me and say, you're connected with so-and-so on LinkedIn. And I have no idea who that person is. So I'm, I think LinkedIn has its place, but it certainly doesn't replace what I do, which is the eye-to-eye, which is what we're doing right now. And there's nothing like sitting down with someone and talking with them and looking into their eyes and just getting the feel of who they are and how they communicate. And um, I decided in December it was time for me to scale corporate connections because it's very labor intensive for me when I take a client on, if I'm having to do every single corporate introduction, and then I have to make sure that once the connection's made, that they follow up. Because let's face it, if you're a, you know, private wealth manager and you meet somebody that's got, you know, $50 million, you're probably not going to have access to that for a long time. It's a trust relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, I realized that, you know, I need to be able to have all of these great people that are my trusted advisors, key influencers, my subject matter experts on all different kinds of topics. You know, I need all of them to get to know each other and put them into a quote unquote membership. So I have spent six months. I've got my new website ready to roll. It's going to be a membership website. People are going to be able to meet each other. They're going to be able to do um, face-to-face meetings. They're going to be able to have a back end on members only. They're going to be able to put there and promote their business outwardly facing. And so I kind of, uh, I'm so old school and such a dinosaur when it comes to technology, but I really realized I'm really going to be left behind with corporate connections business if I don't jump on the bandwagon and, and allow the people that I want to represent and to help them grow their business, they need access to each other. And there needs to be a technology component because it was so much just me one-on-one shaking hands. Yeah, the website is very impressive. It seems like a natural next step to me. I, 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 you know, there's a lot of uh, books and things being said and written about, well, you know, relationships don't mean as much as they used to. And I, I've always... I disagree with that. Uh, I think that relationships are important. Uh, you know, I like when I meet somebody, I like to see the light go on. We're in the business of reading people. And you know pretty quickly if that person is going to connect with you, if you're gonna, if there's an opportunity to do business. So I think that, you know, personal interaction is is still paramount. Would you agree That's, with that? Oh, I 
absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I think um, being willing to say yes and to, you know, so many people today are so busy and there's so much noise and they don't really want to invest the time to sit down with someone unless they know for a fact that there's business that could be had right then and there. And some of the biggest deals I've ever put together among people are people that I had no idea needed to know each other. But you know what I have found? When you tap into someone and find out their passion, like if it's a rape or or trafficking of women, um, I have found that if I can really take a deep dive with somebody and get to know them and know what their passion is, that right there is an affinity with another person, even if they have nothing to do with each other in business, because they've both got a love for the same thing. And so um, I have just really found that personal relationships, people need to say yes, they need to show up, they need to be dressed, pressed, and ready when they go to an event, they need to work the room, they need to be more interested in the other than interesting. People love to talk about themselves and you need to be open for business. And I can't tell you how many people walk into a room and I heard this phrase a long time ago and I've never forgotten it, drive-by networking. And you walk into a room, you work the perimeter of the room and you leave. Or you walk into the room, you have a stack of business cards and you're the business card mongrel. And you walk up to a group of people and you start dealing it like it's, you know, a card game. And I think there's nothing worse than that. So um, I do think there is a, a way that you can present yourself, always dress up rather than down if you're in question. People are attracted to successful looking people. It's just a fact. And so you've got to always be on your A game no matter where you are. And one of the things I cannot stand talking about relationships, people that don't take business cards with them are making a huge mistake. And I think it really is um, a detriment to their professionalism if they say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have any cards or I ran out. It's kind of not an excuse if you're in an event and that's what you're there for. And then there's the power play, too, of the people who don't give cards and they get other people's cards so they can follow up with only those that they want to. You know, you have so much experience and expertise with networking and building the right relationships. If, uh, you know, one of the listenership wanted to go to a, a networking event tonight, what advice would you give that person? Well, number one, I would say, you know, do your homework on the organization that's hosting Mm -hmm. it, look at the profile of the people that will be attending it. If you can, get the guest list early. You can even ask the host or hostess sometimes or the executive director. If they've got a list, you could go through and do your research of who's there. You could pick, you know, four or five people that would be, you know, on your first round draft pick of meeting them. And if you know a little bit about them, you can walk up, you can shake their hand, and you can look them in the eye and say, you know, Mr. or Mrs. or Jane or John, you know, I'm Susan Knox, my company's Corporate Connections. I looked at your profile. I know that you are going to be here. It's a pleasure to meet you. 
Um, I'd love to know more about what you do and, and why you do what you do. And that's truly impactful. I think, you know, my experience is when when I attend these networking events, everybody always has, I think, great intentions. But, you know, intentions don't always equal action and follow through. I think everybody, you know, says, hey, I'll help you. And then, you know, when it comes time, when they find out they may not be, they may be giving first as opposed to getting that, you know, their their opinion changes. And I think one of the things that struck me about you is that you've always been interested in finding out about the other person, giving first without, maybe not with less expectation of getting something. And I think that's that plays a part in how you've gotten to where you are today. I think that's very true. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of helping people grow their companies and it comes back exponentially. And if people will just get their their mind and their heart and sync about this and not be what's in it for me, yeah. I think this whole pay it forward, I just think it, I mean, I can tell you it works in spades in my world. And, you know, quite frankly, my significant other and a lot of other people said, Susan, you have chosen the hardest thing in the world to actually monetize, which is getting paid for corporate introductions in a city like Atlanta, that people are hospitable. They want to open the door to new relationships. But I figured out a way to do it where I did monetize it. And uh, it's just been a fantastic, um, how many, I started in 99. So I've been at this a long time. Yeah, you've clearly had uh, great success. We we touched a little bit about on how technology has impacted corporate connections and sort of how you conduct business. What other factors have come out that has influenced how you do things? Well, again, I just believe that, you know, everybody's so busy today and they're so focused on, you know, just immediate gratification. So I think I've probably gone more to the old school way of picking up the phone and calling and saying, you know, um, Eric Seidel happens to be a, a friend and someone I've helped represent in the past and he's a colleague and we talk frequently, but, you know, Instead of just sending a text to Eric, you need to meet Corey, I take the time to do a really kind of formal introduction. I take the time to cut and paste your LinkedIn profiles, your bios. I give an overview at the top of why you need to meet (coughs) because I learned a long time ago. I knew the connection and I could see it and I would put two people together and they'd go, why are we meeting? And so I learned a very long time ago, I have to tell them what the connection is. And um, I just think as, you know, we're moving at lightning speed, technology is just, you know, changing so rapidly. Human interaction is getting less and less and less. So for me, I'm, you know, mid to approaching late 50s. And careful it, now. it's my personality to really be outgoing and to, you know, try to make people feel comfortable. And, and so I think I've picked the perfect profession for me to do what I do. And I think in the day and age we're living in, I think a little old school um, 
hand-holding and being very personal and intentional about what I do stands out. And I think that's a differentiator for me, for sure. Yeah, it clearly does. I've always been impressed with your willingness to give first uh, the personal touches, the personal notes, taking the time to really you know, make an, uh, an effective introduction by telling uh, each party, hey, here's what this person does. Here's what that person does. Here's a little bit about them. Uh, so it goes know, a long way in today's time. It absolutely does. The personal notes, um, you know, uh, so I mean, all of that, I think, is sometimes forgotten or it's kicked to the curb uh, for something that maybe uh, could hopefully lead to immediate gratification. And there's something else that that you mentioned where, you know, folks sometimes are reluctant to take meetings if they think that there's not a deal imminent. And, uh, you know, I think maybe technology could assist that. Um, but you certainly, uh, it doesn't seem to me that you've fallen prey to any of that. I, I haven't. In fact, I've really bucked the system more and tried to be more personal, more intentional. And I'm telling you, if you pick the phone up and call somebody, it's almost like today they're like, wow, it's so nice to talk to you. And so if I'm, you know, trying to fill seats for an event for a client that's doing a presentation, or if I'm hosting a corporate cocktail reception, I, if people that I want to be there are not responding, I don't, bother them and keep sending them, you know, emails, I pick the phone up and say, Mr. Smith, this is Susan Knox, and I really would like for you to come to this event. It'll be highly effective for you. And can I put you on the guest list? And they say yes. Yeah, I don't get that very many people tell you no. Um, I don't get no a lot. Let's knock on wood. You were invited on the show because you're obviously extremely successful and you've been favorably introduced by another person that's been on the show. What else sets Susan Knox apart? What we've heard is that you're very personal, you're very intentional, you're very focused, you have a lot of connections, but what else would would set you apart? Well, I think I'm very competitive. I grew up- I never would have picked up on that. I picked, I'm the youngest of three brothers. Um, I'm very driven. I'm focused. Uh, I'm not very organized. People who know me well know that. That is definitely a weakness, but it's good to know your weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm driven by my mission, and my mission is to help people grow their companies, and uh, it's very fulfilling. And, you know, I've only met one other person in the whole country that does what I do, and she's in San Antonio, Texas. And we got introduced years ago, and it's it's so much fun to have someone who really does exactly what I do, mm-hmm. and we collaborate and communicate all the time. And um, anyway, her name's Linda Elliott, and she's got a company called Elliott Connection, and she's in San Antonio. And it's just amazing that she and I, she's a little older than I am, and we started at basically the same time, and it's just... Um, it's just really nice to to really care about doing the right things and helping people and getting paid all at the same time. None of that goes out of style. Um, what do you think is the most challenging thing that presents itself to you in your business today? Um, I think that people don't think that they need to pay to have someone help them um, get introduced. They'll pay for lead gen. Mm. They'll pay for contact 
CRM systems. They'll do the LinkedIn, you know, premium account or whatever. But it's a unique person or company that says, okay, I want a high-level corporate matchmaker that's our brand ambassador and our team or myself, at the person as an executive, okay, I'm clearing my calendar. We'll do a 90-day executive fast track. You fill my pipeline with the people I need to meet, and I'm going to be dressed, pressed, and ready. I'm going to follow up. I'm going to meet these people. And I can just tell you, the people that have done that, um, my new website will have lots of testimonials that'll say it was very worth it. What's the most satisfying thing about your business? When I see two people meet and they actually sign contracts or do business together. Outstanding. You've been a great uh, guest on the show, Susan. If you could give the younger version of yourself any advice, looking back on what you've learned, what would you tell her? What would you tell her? I would say find your passion and turn it into a business. You'll never work a day in your life. Now, you've clearly done that. If there were a young lady that wanted to follow in your footsteps and, and take a similar track, what would you tell her? Meet as many people as you can early in life. Mm. Be intentional about the meetings. Follow up. Be interested in them. Um, keep a really good, I call it a Rolodex even today, but um, you know, keep up with the people that you meet. I think Ronald Reagan was the one who said that he became president probably because every meeting he ever had, he wrote a handwritten thank you note, whether it was for a brief second in the elevator or wherever. And they're just documents of people who follow up with people they meet with, and they are so thought of favorably. So if I was a young woman and wanting to be a Susan Knox, I would definitely say go to meetings, meet as many people as you can, follow up, be intentional, and really care about the other people. Don't make them have to ask you. You ask the questions and they'll come back to you. If the listenership wanted to get in touch with you via phone or email, how would they do that, Susan? Well, my uh, phone number, which since I'm old school, I'll give that first, 770-757-8300. That's my cell. That's the best way to get me. Uh, my email is susan at corporateconnections.us. And my website is www.corporateconnections.us. Susan, congratulations on all of your success. You've been a great guest. We appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, Faye, thanks again. Guys, another great show. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. It's been a, a great episode of Tuesdays with Corey. And of course, uh, this uh, show would not be possible without the support of the Long-Term Care Planning Group. Um, and you can visit the uh, TuesdaysWithCorey.com to learn more about our show or the Long-Term Care Planning Group. Dot com. We will see you guys all next time on Atlanta Business Radio.